All right, so it's my hope today, and you know, it's, it was great. Sophie picked uh, some songs that just, boy, were just lining right up with what I'm going to preach about. Um, it's my hope today that we would remember, or w- this would be a reminder of what Jesus Christ has, has done in each of our lives as believers. I'm hoping today that it would cause us to stop and think and remember the steep price that was, pray- that was paid for the sins of the world, for our sins. Kind of bringing it back to basics a little bit. I want to ask you to remember that, man, he willingly died in our stead because he loves us. I also want to make this statement, or I just want to re- want you to remember too, that Christianity is not a social club. It's not something that you choose, I'm just going to join that church, and I'm going to be part of that body. Because you know what? If that's you, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus Christ is probably not in your life. But you want to be part of the group. You know, people are drawn to that, that group thing sometimes, and they like what they see what's going on, and they like the effectiveness in the community, and they want to be part of it, and frankly, that's how tears get in. We'll talk about that in the Church of the Revelation. But it's not really something that you just choose to be part of. The body of Christ is something that you become part of when you choose to accept the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has for us at the cross. When you go to him and accept him as Lord and Savior, you become part of the body of Christ. And when you do that, you receive a gift of eternal salvation. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about having the, the gift of eternal salvation or not. Man, these terms in, Christ, in Christianese, you ever heard that term, Christianese? We speak Christianese. We throw these terms around like they have no meaning. We throw them around like they have no meaning and they don't mean anything. We really do. Sometimes we talk in Christianese so much that we water down everything. And those people around us are going, what the heck are they talking about? And even for us, we use the term so lightly, we use the term so veiled, with no depth of meaning, that they don't really mean anything anymore. Or they've lost their oomph. They don't weighty like they used to be. Man, it's so easy to get sidetracked, especially in our culture, in our society. So easy not to think about the things of God because there's so many other things to think about. And frankly, we got a society and a culture that's so selfish that it's a battle not just to think about us all the time. Not just a battle to think about when our next vacation is, not when we're going to have our free time, when we can stop working, when we can do this, when everything's going to line up. It's, sometimes we get consumed with that. And it it gets in the way of thinking about these things of God and the things that he's done for us. 
And you know what happens with that stuff because you get so consumed with what we're doing, with our jobs, with our family lives, with the kids, and we make all these excuses, and all of a sudden, we put prayer on the back burner, and we're never reading the Word of God, and the thoughts of eternal salvation diminish and fade to nothing until, until we're faced with mortality. Until we start thinking, hey, I got 10 years left. Or until you get a diagnosis that's not good. Then we're all about it again, right? It's easy to get sidetracked. But we always have a choice. We, have a, we can choose to remember, we can choose to go over God's promises in our head for us. We can choose to excuse me, contemplate what Christ has done for us. We can choose to really consider salvation and what it means. What it means for believers and non-believers. Listen, I think we do that, and certainly we know this, that when we take communion, we think about all the atoning work that Christ had done for us, and it's much more, right? But we, him coming back, the whole bit. But we, we do, we stop, and we think about that. But really, it shouldn't just be at communion time. Or maybe we should be taking communion every day. And we also have to remember that when we're talking about remembering, when we're talking about thinking about the things of salvation and what Christ has done on the cross for us, when we're thinking about those things, where remembering in our culture is not the same thing as remembering in the Hebrew culture. See, in the, in the Hebrew culture, to remember meant much more than simply bringing back to mind. It meant to go back in one's mind and recapture as much reality and significance of the event as possible. Do we do that? I don't think so. So today I want to say, let us remember in the Hebrew sense, the grace that has been poured out upon believers. And today's not as much about the temporal, the life that we're living, the bumpiness in the road, the temptation that we're battling against. It's more about eternity and what the future holds for us as believers and also for non-believers. It's more about the importance of salvation in our lives and for those who don't have it. And for everyone sitting here, every Christian sitting here, let me ask you, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if the Lord never answered another prayer for us, wouldn't eternal salvation be enough? Regardless of the situation that we find ourselves, shouldn't we be overwhelmed with gratitude when we think about being saved? Or has it just been watered down so much that you really kind of got to grasp at that and pull it back into the clear picture because it just seems faded?
Now, just for clarity, for anybody who's here who doesn't know, what are we saved from and how do we get saved? We're saved from the wrath of God, the judgment of God because of sin and in eternal separation from the Lord when we die. And how we're saved is addressed in Ephesians 2, 8. says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. You know, being saved is definitely not about being a good person, which we still battle with, some people do. It's not about good works, you know, and stacking them up. It's not what it's about either. Can't work your way into heaven because we're all born sinful. To receive the gift of eternal salvation, a person must have faith in Jesus Christ, must repent, must turn away from the things of the world, must have a change of mind, must make a decision for Christ, ask forgiveness for their sins, ask him to come into their life as Lord. And he does. They receive the Holy Spirit. Their eternal destination changes from hell to heaven. They receive the gift of eternal salvation. And for those who belong to Christ, for those who have a relationship with Christ, we all share something. We share a moment when we realized we were a lost sinner who needed a Savior. And that was a supernatural moment in our lives. And I often say this, for some it was like a nuclear explosion, and for others dominoes started to fall. But either way, it was a supernatural happening when we realized that we needed Jesus Christ. And for many people, it was a very powerful event. For me, it was no longer a story. You know, I was born and raised Catholic. It was all about Easter. No longer just a story. I felt this personal, deep sense, this connection to Jesus Christ and the things he did on the cross for me. For many, that event, when they got saved, sparked a passion and excitement for everything that God had to offer, and they couldn't get enough. For many, this event was like a 10 on a Richter scale. When it comes to earthquake, that's the strongest, shaking every part of our lives. With this newfound desire and this newfound drive to share faith and this new experience about what God had done for us personally. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about others and I know about myself, but man, could have just thrown everything to the wind. When I get saved, could have just quit everything, just went on the road, started preaching Christ. It would have been fine. Everything would have been awesome. I should have done it. I should have done it. I should have done it. Listen, John the Baptist thing, right? In the wilderness. What happens though? We get drawn back. We get drawn back. And sometimes, let's make room for God here. Can we make room for God? (laughs) Sometimes it's not his timing. Because we're not ready. People always want to run ahead of God and say, All right, Lord, hurry up. I'm working for you.
You know, I know that I said that today is not about a, as much as our walk here and how we serve and the things that we struggle with. But bear in mind that our attitude about the gift of eternal salvation affects our view of what it means to be Christian. Of how we act, of what we do. Having said that, it's wise to just remember that we don't want to let the importance of us being saved fade. It's a battle because we're battling against the world. It's a spiritual battle because we're battling against the enemy. We're battling against hindrances. We're battling against ourselves because so many times we'd rather just do, 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 and not stop and go, all right, God, what do you want me to do? You know why? Because we're afraid of the answer. You know why? Because it may not be lined up with our talents and the things that we do really well. As a matter of fact, it's probably not going to be. It's probably going to be stretching us in a direction that we don't want to go. But you want to see the supernatural power of God? You want to see God move in your life? Can I say you got to go with the flow when it comes to that? Because that's all about trust. That's all about relying on him. It's all about going in his direction. You know, I don't want to give anyone the impression that I'm saying that we no longer care about Christ because we've been saved for so long. I'm not saying that at all. I'm really not. But what I'm asking, and the question is, where, where does the importance of eternal salvation fall on the Richter scale to you? Is it a 10, the strongest? Is it a 1? Or is it somewhere in between? I, you know, and I'm sure some people are going, it's a 10. But listen, are you saying that because you know it's the right thing to say? You know, you give the good Christian answer. And the test is this, when you think back, does your thankfulness about salvation and your attitude of gratitude show up in your actions? Does it show up in sharing your faith? Does it show up in serving the Lord? How concerned are we, are you, are me, is, is me, whatever, about people going to hell? Does it even cross your mind? Frankly, if you're not concerned and you really don't think about it that much, it's a one. Or to the extreme, you're not saved. I know we can agree on this, um, that our memories are short, man. As we get farther and farther away from these big events in our life, and these things that happen, these supernatural events, they sometimes get cloudier. And then the emotions and the fire and everything that we felt gets dulled and kind of non-existent. But it is our job as Christians not to forget. Not to forget what Christ has done for us, his sacrifice. And at minimum, at communion time, to remember everything that was done on the cross for us. 
But it's more than just remembering. And it's more than just, in the Hebrew sense, once again, going in death. Because we need to appreciate. We need to really appreciate what was done for us. An attitude of that continuing gratitude will change how we live our lives for Christ on this planet. Will change how we let negative consequences and actions affect us on a daily basis. We can't be a Christian and walk around like Eeyore with that cloud over your head. Waiting for the next thing to go wrong. Listen, we have been gifted the gift of eternal salvation. We are going to be with the Lord when we die. We have Jesus Christ on our side. We should be thankful, but we should also do this. We should also remember the alternative. Where will we be without God's grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you, we'll be going to hell. What would that mean for a person? How bad can that be? See, it's important to grasp the reality of hell. And I'm going to tell you why. As kids, especially this, learn, listen up to this, kids. Because what happens is our society and our culture and the television and the movies all depict hell as not so bad. If you pay attention right now, they even have a show on TV called Lucifer and they're making him out like a superhero. And that's not what hell is all about at all. And of course, to really know what hell is all about, we're going to look into the book of Luke as Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and his disciples. And he tells them a story about the rich man and Lazarus. And it's interesting to note here that some believe that this is just just another, but I don't want to put it like that. But it's another parable that Jesus is speaking that has spiritual principles. But others believe because there's proper names using this, what makes it really unique, that it's a true story. But either way, there's a lot to glean from this. And it's a glimpse of having no relationship with Christ. A glimpse of someone who does not have eternal salvation and what that really means. And in Luke 6, 19, it begins, 16, 19, it begins this, with this. There was a rich man who was distressed in purple and fine linen and lived in a luxury and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, he said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony and fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that you in your lifetime, you received your good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things. 
But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been placed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. Nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is a story about someone who ends up in hell. And it gives us some clear insight to what these men experienced. The poor man Lazarus, covered in sores, was brought by the angels to heaven. And it was the wealthy man who showed indifference to the suffering of Lazarus at the front gate who died and went to hell. And there are four things here that I want to point out quickly. Four things that we can learn from. Four things that we should remember. And first of all, it's absolutely clear the rich man is well aware of his circumstance. He's in agony and he knows it. And when he opens his eyes, he is in torment. And at a distance, he sees Lazarus aside of Father Abraham. And he's conscious and aware of where he is and what he's going through. And he knows, he knows he wants to be with them, but he cannot. And secondly, he can't go to them because God has placed this great impassable chasm between the two. We know it's out of the question from one to go from one side to the other. So when you're there, it's over. You're stuck. Thirdly, the Bible makes it clear that if you die and you haven't repented and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. For the rich man, he knows that his suffering will not end. He knows that he can't escape and he doesn't ask to. He doesn't even ask to be where Lazarus is at. There is no desire for holiness. You know what his desire is from? for? His desire is for relief. He has this tremendous burning thirst, and he's asking for a single drop of water because this is how bad it is. A single drop of water on his tongue is going to give him relief. And the crazy thing is he asked for the, for the one person who he showed no love, he showed no mercy... He asked for him to bring it. But it's explained to him clearly. They both received their due. Lazarus is happy and he's in agony. The fourth thing is this. The awareness that we are sinners who need a savior comes from hearing scripture. Comes from the gospel message is the response to the truth of Scripture. Eternal salvation is a gift of God and only comes by God's power. And nothing we can do as human beings can help that along. Lazarus resigned to the fact of his unchanging situation. He's aware of others who might follow in his footsteps. 
who might find themselves in the flames of hell. He has five brothers and he's asking for them to be warned. He asked that Lazarus be sent to warn his family. He believes that if someone is sent back from the dead and they show up, that those people are going to repent. But listen, that's the same thing as saying, well, if we have a miracle, and this is the trouble with praying for miracles sometimes, if we have a miracle and everyone around that is going to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, eh, it's not how it works. Sometimes the miracle is, you know what that is? It's a confirmation that those people are sharing the word of God. The apostles were from God. The miracles were saying, yes, they're from me. But just because you see a miracle, and this would be a miracle, someone coming back from the dead to warn you, doesn't mean you're going to get saved. About the power of God and the word of God in Scripture. The real power to bring awareness is from the word of God. It's the good news about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice in our stead. The call to repent, to receive forgiveness that is available through the blood of Christ. This is really important because especially in today's day and age, it's all about the showbiz, man. It's all about playing the right tunes and getting the people in and the right, you know, the right setting and it's the right music and it's the right temperature and it's the right lighting. And if we get it just right, people are going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it doesn't work that way. And if you want a great example of that, go to the Providence Rescue Mission next time we're there. And you see what God is doing in that place. It's not about the sales pitch. It's not about creating the right environment. It's not about the guilt trip. It's not about convincing someone is, that heaven is better. It's about sharing the gospel and letting the Holy Spirit do what he's supposed to do. Just a warning, because if we think that we're controlling any of that, doing any of that, then we're in... Sinful pride, man. Be careful. For the unbeliever, when they die, they wake up separated from God. They wake up in torment. They wake up in agony. This is a place described where there's gnashing of teeth, and that's grinding of teeth. You can grind it right down to the stubs there from anguish. They open their eyes fully conscious and aware of what's going around with them. It's a place of pain and suffering. And listen, I am not sharing this to frighten you. And frankly, some of you who are really not believing anyways don't care. But I'm not sharing it to frighten you. But it's the flip side of salvation. It's the destiny that we have been spared from by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to remember that. It's a scary glimpse that hopefully leads to a greater appreciation of God's gift to us. I find today that many avoid the topic of hell. They don't talk about it. 
They don't even want to say it. I hear, if I hear this one more time, H-E double hockey sticks. They don't even want to say it. But listen, I have no problems talking about because I'm not going there. And I have the Lord in me. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want anyone else to go there either. People need to know the reality. Because we are fighting a spiritual battle, folks. And the enemy is using whatever he can to sidetrack people. I'm hoping for at least some that there's a resurgence of, of gratefulness in your life today. Or maybe even just the thought of, I really need to rethink this. I really need to get back there. I really need to go over what Christ has done for me. I actually care. I actually care. I'm just going to say, listen, if you don't care, you really need to be concerned. Because maybe you're not part of the family. Maybe you're part of the social club. I hope for at least some today that there's this new regained urgency to share Jesus Christ with the lost, especially those who God has put on your heart that you're blowing off. Those pictures of people that pop in your mind that you're like, uh, should I call? Yes, call them. Or those people that by divine circumstances come in your path, like I'm looking at Scott because it happens to him at work all the time. You know, and that dog goes, er, do you go through it? How important is it to you? So we have taken a glimpse at the fate of unbelievers, but let's get into the good stuff. What about those who belong to Jesus Christ? What happens when it's our last moment on this earth, when we take our last breath? Well, Paul says this to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When we die, we are absent from the body and we are in the presence of the Lord. Now, I want to stop for a second because I want to say this to the kids, the young kids, okay? And I know Brother Jimmy says it like this all the time. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior. You have nothing to worry about when it comes to hell because you're not going there. You're going to be with the Lord in heaven. Let me make that absolutely clear. Okay? I'm saying this to frighten your parents, not you. So if you have Christ in your heart, you do not have to worry about that stuff. Does everybody understand that? Everybody understand that? Little kids, anyone ever, everyone understand that? Yes. Thank you very much, T-girl. <laughs> all right, it's all good. All right, so anyway, so present, uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord, it will be a place of holiness, a place of no tears, a place of no pain, a place of no sadness, a place of no disappointment. There will be no regret. There will be no shame. There will be no guilt. 
It'll be a place of happiness. It'll be a place of peace. It'll be a place we want to go to. And listen, we're not totally off the hook because we're going to have to sit before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to have to explain ourselves in the areas. And 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, when we, all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. The good news here is that a believer in Jesus Christ, that all our sins have been what? Washed away, past, present, and future. They will not be held against us. Romans 8.1 it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So all our sins are forgiven and we will never be condemned for them. So the judgment seat of Christ is not about God judging our sins, but rather rewarding us for what we've done in our lives. Dan often said kingdom bucks, putting up kingdom bucks. We'll have to give account of ourselves, our actions, our thoughts, our words, how we served. And then each will receive his own reward. I don't know about you, but that's a lot to look forward to. And, you know, contrary to what some people say, the Lord doesn't want us to put our feet up and kick back and wait to be with him. On the contrary, what Paul says and reminds us in Scripture, what he says to the Philippians is this, 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Once again, it's not about good works, because we know you can't work your way into heaven. It's not possible. It's about attitude, part of it. About being aware of the gift that we've been given, the grace that's been poured out. It's about understanding that we're nothing apart from Jesus Christ. That we are spiritually weak without his strength. And if we start thinking opposite, duck. There should be fear and reverential awe of God. He's not just our friend. He's the creator of the universe. He's not just love, forgives everything. He's also righteousness and holiness. He is a God that requires accountability, accountability to his word, accountability in our lives. For those in his family, for those who are his children, he's the one who provides the way out of temptation. He empowers us to walk forward, living a life that honors and glorifies him. God who loves us and sent his only son because a plan was needed to reconcile, to be reconciled to him. He doesn't want anyone to perish in hell. He wants everyone to go to heaven. We should remember everything that Christ has done for us. We should remember the gift of eternal salvation. We should walk with that reverential fear that we have the God of the universe on our side. And we should have a holy concern. One of the commentators said, holy concern. I love that phrase. To glorify and honor God in all that we do. And when we do that, maybe we avoid falling into temptation. Maybe we avoid being chastised by God. Maybe we avoid taking the wrong turn when we, we shouldn't. When we have that proper reverence of God and that holy concern to glorify and honor Him, maybe we get motivated to be obedient to the Word, even in those passages that we don't like. 
to live for him first and to trust him completely. Please let us remember that God is more powerful than we could imagine. He's holier than we could wrap our minds around. He loves us more than we could ever understand. And he will hold us accountable for our actions on this planet. So we should walk with fear and trembling. We should remember as we walk on this planet, what's at stake for those who are lost? And how much we have gained as one who is found. Of course, I'm going to say that the altars are open. And you can spend time in your seat. You can spend time up here. But I just want to end with this verse. And it's Revelations 21.4. And it says this. For believers, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, I just pray that uh, as you were speaking the hearts that they were receiving, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we sing to, be you, to you be the glory forever and ever. Lord, that that would take on a complete meaning in our lives now, Lord. Help us not to just be transparent, Lord, with you, to be transparent when it comes to us examining ourselves and where we stand, Lord, and how we scoff at things sometimes and how things don't mean anything, Lord, and how we're missing out, Lord, and what there is that you have for us, Lord, and that we can walk in your power, Lord, and that we could just be reverential in our attitude, Lord, in our walk. That there would be an urgency to share the gospel with those who are on the way to hell. That we would even just have this reality of what hell is, Lord. And this attitude of gratefulness that we've been saved from it by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, for those who need it, I pray that we would walk out of here with a renewed thinking, Lord. For all of us who belong to you, I pray that we would walk out of here filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us to take a moment, Lord, to press into you. We just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we all said, Amen. Amen.